Hello, Rethink Retail listeners. Today, we're celebrating our 200th podcast episode. We're super excited. And today, you are going to be joined by our show producer, Gabriella Bach, Natalie Arana, who is our brand marketing manager, and Paul Lewis, Rethink Retail's co-founder and managing director. So we're super excited to dive into some of the things that we remember over the years of podcasting and what has led us to this point. Thanks, Julia. Happy to be here celebrating 200 episodes with the team. Hey, thank you. So happy to be here. I am also happy to be here. Um, You know, we started the podcast four years ago now. And at the time, it was a a very daunting undertaking of we're going to jump into this new medium and lend our voice to everything that's happening in this industry. Here we are four years later, 200 episodes later, and you know, it, very proud of, of what this team has accomplished. And also just, I think the difference we've made in the industry and in, in sharing the knowledge around and all the great guests that we've had on the show, I'd like to thank all of them for you know, contributing their vision, their insight to help this industry grow. So I just want to thank all of you and, and everyone who's ever been a guest on the show, as, as, as well as all of our listeners for, for tuning in and listening to what we have to share. Well, I will say one thing when we started out podcasting was just starting to get some solid traction. And if we look at the stats back in 2006, only 22% of adults were listening to podcasts. So maybe one in five. And last year, that figure was almost 80% of people listen to podcasts. So the format itself has grown alongside our podcast, which we're really thankful for. It's the right medium. And it's just been really amazing to see not only the increase in listeners, but also, as Paul mentioned, all of the people who are interested in sharing their insights and knowledge and coming on the show, whether that's retail thought leaders or retailers themselves, just the sharing of knowledge has been the, the most amazing and rewarding part about doing the show. One of my favorite things about 2022 is that we are finally getting back to live person events. And one event Rethink Retail is especially looking forward to attending this year is Shop Talk Europe. Taking place June 6th through 8th at Excel London, Shop Talk Europe is the new home for Europe's retail and grocery change makers. The event is expected to see over 2,500 decision makers from leading retailers and brands, startups, tech firms, investors, media, and analysts. We are all coming together to learn, network, collaborate, and evolve. The event will host more than 200 industry speakers, and if that wasn't enough to keep you busy, more than 250 companies will be showcasing the latest trends and innovations that are transforming the global retail sector. Qualifying retailers and brands can attend Shop Talk Europe for free with up to a £500 travel reimbursement through Shop Talk's world-renowned hosted meeting program. For more information, visit shoptalkeurope.com. So we asked on social media for you guys to submit any and all questions you had for us. And there were a solid few that we selected. So I'm going to let Gabriella go ahead and introduce uh, one of the first few that we received and we'll dive in from there. Thanks, Julia. Yeah, we got some great questions. Um, The first one from 
and I'm sorry, I'm probably butchering this. It is Miklo Kovacs. He is a SaaS and e-commerce partnership builder at Optimunk. He says, for me as a podcast host, the challenge was scaling up. So Miklo wants to know how we approached guests in the beginning, how it changed uh, over time, and uh, if there were any rookie mistakes we'd like to share. Yeah, absolutely. I'll dive in first. We went definitely the rookie route when we got started and we got guests to come on the show by leveraging our own personal networks, which at the time were much smaller than three or four years ago. And finally, we got five or so episodes under our belts. I was extremely (laughs) nervous when I was doing the first podcast, which I don't know why, because I actually enjoy public speaking. And I remember Paul listened to some of my episodes and recommended a voice coach. So that was a small blow to the ego there, but (laughs) I did get a voice coach for anyone who's wondering and starting out podcasting It is worth it. Find someone on a freelance platform who can just listen to how you're speaking and give you some pointers. You might be saying words a lot that you don't even realize things like that. Um, And after we got those first episodes under our belt, then it was more of a numbers game. We were dialing for dollars. We were reaching out to hundreds of people, mostly on LinkedIn, but also email. And we were just hoping if we reach out to a hundred, 200, 300, at least one would say yes. And then we would have a guest (laughs) lined up for either that week or that month because we didn't start out every week. It just wasn't possible at first. We had to wait until people said yes. Uh, But it was probably every other week really soon after we launched. And then quickly, once we had people to reference, hey, this person's been on the show, you should come on too. Then it became weekly and to today, nearly twice per week. So it's been a really interesting uh, momentum over time. Yeah, I remember those days. And there definitely were these different phases of challenge, right? Like uh, the, the first was just all the logistics. How do you book guests? What technology do you use? What hardware do you need to get? And then you, you start to get some success and, and then people even begin to contact you to be on the show, which is uh, wonderful. But there's this, uh, this challenge in the middle, uh, the, the chasm, if you will, uh, between the first five or 10 episodes and the next 190, right? The the 200th Mm -hmm. episode, somewhere in that middle, you have to deal with a little bit of time management of burnout. We didn't have a lot of the process in place. Oh, no. Consistently book (laughs) guests. So, uh, and and then just scheduling ourselves and and guests needing to change times and, and things like that. We just didn't have a lot of that worked out. And so I think that for anyone starting a podcast, they need to recognize that there is a phase, like initially you have some ideas that are burning a hole in your pocket to get out and talk about. And then there's a, a phase after that where you're, you have to inspire yourself and, and to keep driving and, and to make it happen. You know, Gabriella, what do you remember of that time? Oh gosh. Well, I, I just remember how challenging it was at first to get guests. And when we did, it was such a big win. Um, and I remember some of our early guests were, um, you know, Carol Speakerman, Steve Dennis, Carl Boutte, Ricardo Belmar, all people that are, you know, now a part of our try, you know, so some of those influencers and thought leaders that we engaged with um, right away who kind of gave us a shot being such a, a tiny little company at the time. And, um, and then I remember we, we landed 
Dean Hanspiker, he's a VP at Indochino, and then Ali Egan, who at the time was the CEO of Synthony Rally. And I think we were only like six or seven episodes in at the time. And I, I'm sure we only had maybe 50 listeners per episode at the time. And it was, it was such a big win for the team. We were like, you know, pumping our fists in the air in celebration. And um, so, yeah, I definitely remember those early days and, you know, how personally rewarding it felt when we did land those names. Um, But as far as challenges, yeah, I mean, we were doing a lot of outreach on LinkedIn. And so we definitely got used to rejection, I would say, early on, and a lot of uh, people not answering us or um, not reading our messages. So if you're starting a podcast, definitely get used to uh, a lot of no's and a lot of no shows and a lot of uh, no answers, but keep at it. And uh, I think eventually you'll, you'll find your stride. Yeah, I would say from the promotional and outreach angle, uh, the challenge that was the most rewarding was driving awareness of rethink. So, you know, in all of the outreach we did in LinkedIn and email, First of all, in the beginning, it was introducing ourselves, who we are as a media company, and then also the value of our content. And then second, we're approaching these potential guests and introducing the podcast show um, to top retail executives, to thought leaders that had never heard of us before. But very quickly, we were happy to see that it went from, I want to learn more about you and the show, and then I'm actually a regular listener, and I'd love to be a guest. And then as far as how social media came into play with scaling the show and the caliber of guests. We also closely followed and introduced ourselves to the top voices in the online retail community, which actually led to the creation of our annual top retail influencers list. A lot of our first guests ended up being in our first list of top retail influencers in 2021. And everyone is connected, whether it's a retailer or an influencer or a technology leader. And that definitely allowed us to expand our network. And it's been a joy celebrating the fruits of our labor with everybody that we've had on the show since. And I hope that answered your question, Miklo. Keep at it. There, of course, there are so many challenges at the beginning, Um, you know, things from figuring out how to secure guests to figuring out the right equipment to use. But those things will reveal themselves in time. And, you know, there are still so many things that we're learning um, every day and figuring out how we can improve. Yes. And reach out to me on LinkedIn, feel free or email. I can send you links to my current gear setup because I recall when we first started out, we had just some USB Yeti mics, which some of you might use Yetis. They're great, but, um, there was a large echo in my house. So I actually went to home Depot with my husband and built a booth for podcasting and got moving blankets and draped them around. And it was very much, um, a gorilla style, Uh, approach to the equipment because we didn't want to shell out thousands of dollars for the roadcaster pro or any of that, you know, more sophisticated equipment that most podcasters use. But I finally identified a very good setup. Um, and it I've retired the podcast booth. Thank goodness. Cause it was very hot to sit in. Um, (laughs) and I am willing to let you know, this is a really good setup. It's affordable and it is the best. So I will share that on my LinkedIn later this week. And if anyone reaches out, I'm happy to help you with the equipment. All right. So moving on to our next audience submitted question. This one is from Rethink Retail Advisor and Try Awardee Ricardo Belmar. 
He says he would love to hear from each person about what our favorite episode was, and he would like to know if there were any funny moments or funny gaffes that we can recall. So Julia, I will turn this one over to you first. Sure, I'll hop in and just let me preface this by saying it was really hard to choose. I have so many memories of different conversations and they are, they're all good, um, but just a few offhand that came to me. I remember speaking with the VP of sourcing at Coach, Liz Alessi. Uh, she's at Tapestry, I believe still. Um, but she pointed out really interesting things about their business. And I remember her saying, leather is a byproduct of the meat industry. And she got into the details there, which was, um, new for me, just, I hadn't heard about that side of the business as much. And she was saying that in her opinion, leather is unfairly bashed sometimes by sustainable types of writers who don't understand that meat consumption globally is what drives the slaughter, uh, which the tanners and leather manufacturers take that byproduct and make the leather goods, which leather goods are hopefully, she said, very long lasting products. They're used, worn, loved for many years. They go into the circular economy. So it was just kind of an eye-opening, cool episode where we got into the details um, of that process of production. And then of course, I will call out some thought leaders who really influenced me. Steve Dennis uh, inspired me because he talked a lot about the death of boring retail. So he is pointing out retailers that are stuck in what he calls the vast undifferentiated middle. And I thought that was a really unique perspective um, that has definitely impacted how the industry uh, is moving forward. And then Doug Stevens, his take on the store is a media channel. He's been saying that for many, many years before it became a popular thing to say. And I think that was really important in understanding how digital technology is shaping the way we interact with stores, with retailers, and have experiences that impact us for years to come. And then the one last I'll mention, and there's, again, there's so many, but I was speaking with the CEO of David Bridal, James Markham, and he said, quote, we've had situations where we've produced dresses overnight because we knew they were stuck on a boat, end quote. And that really stuck out to me as something that speaks to the heart of retail and really being there for your consumer, for those brides who are hoping to still have a wedding during this crazy pandemic that we were in. Yeah, some of my favorite episodes were some of the pre-pandemic episodes, um, like when we talked to Alexander Janov from Zappos. And, you know, Zappos, they were pretty much focusing on human-centric retailing before it was being so widely talked about today. So it was it was really it was really awesome to go back and listen to that one and seeing how many more brands have kind of adopted that approach since we recorded that episode. Yes, my favorite episode was actually also Alex Genov's. Um, I love anything consumer behavior, so it was great to hear Alex touch on social psychology and the emphasis on emotions and how companies can appeal to consumers' needs. Um, behavior economics is still a huge trend now as it was when the episode was recorded in November of 2019. And maybe now more than ever with how quickly everything's changing and how much harder or easier, you know, if the retailers do play their cards right, it is to connect with a consumer with all the choices they have. The emphasis of his work at Zappos of understanding consumers as people he did say, quote, not as shoppers, not as callers, not as clickers on buttons, but as people, end quote. 
So, you know, if you put in the work, you do the appropriate research to create those emotional connections, there is long lasting loyalty. And I do think retailers are definitely seeing that now as, as things are changing so quickly. Yeah, that was the funny one because I remember Alex saying the Zappos customer service team is not allowed to get off the phone with customers. (laughs) And so they had a big news story or maybe it was internal. I can't recall, but someone called in probably someone pretty lonely. And I believe they were on the phone with this agent for over 12 hours. So (laughs) that's dedication. Yeah. That's customer service. Yeah. (laughs) I would add, um, I really enjoyed my interview with uh, Taylor Schreiner uh, from, he's the director of digital insights at Adobe, Uh, just a super smart guy, but you know, Adobe has access to so much data on what consumers are buying and how that the whole, all the transactions that are occurring. He was able to break it down though, in a really digestible way. So it's just a great episode to look at the trends. And, you know, at that time, uh, COVID was certainly an impact. So looking at, you know, what was going on, uh, how was that shifting things and have really a, a discerning insight into that I thought was fascinating. And then I would say my other favorite episode was when I got to talk with Bill Reddy uh, from Google. He's the president of commerce and payments, but Bill has just done a ton of stuff. uh, You know, if you look at his experience that he brings to that. And so we were looking into, you know, into the future a bit more of, of where is this whole commerce going? What, what are the trends that are coming up uh, and what's real and what's not? And I thought that he was in, a unique place to see innovation at the very, you know, the cusp, the horizon line and, and bring that home for our, our listeners. So I, I really enjoyed the, the time we got to spend with Bill as well. Yeah. I mean, if you are looking for an episode with a lot of interesting consumer statistics, the one from just a couple months ago, it's from this year with Carl Haller from IBM. He is a wizard when it comes to all of all things Gen Z and millennials and IBM did a huge study. I think it was 20 or 30,000 consumers across the globe. And I, as a data nerd, really appreciated all of the statistics that he shared because he also illuminated them with some stories and um, made it make a lot of sense. So I highly recommend checking that out if you haven't yet. Awesome. And Ricardo also wanted to know, so now that we've shared some of our best episodes and our best moments, he also wants to know if there were any funny moments or any gaffes that we'd like to share. I think there- we had a pretty argumentative episode one time. Yes. Yeah. Bob was- yeah. <laughs> I love a great opposing viewpoints um, discussion, but man, that one I've learned my lesson on that one. I would say next time prep better (laughs) with the guests Um, and maybe not on an episode that has to deal with, uh, you know, public health um, in that way. So as far as gaffes go, there really aren't that many that come to mind. I will say that I, I did um, accidentally publish a podcast. It was the wrong recording. It was the pre-edited version of the recording. So there was uh, several hours where an episode had, you know, a couple of minutes of, of Julia doing a sound check. So um, thankfully a team member actually caught that and we were able to swap it out, but um, yeah, definitely check your audio tracks, everyone, before you upload them for the world to listen to. It's a hot tip. And at least they didn't have to hear me singing or something more embarrassing. So 
<laughs> You're not going to sing a little bit right now, Julian? No, I'm not. No, that's, that's for <laughs> that's for my Patreon. So if and- anyone, wants- there you go. <laughs> All right, moving on. Our next audience submitted question is from Gabriel Pimentel Garcia. He is the rep management exec at Derive. He wants to know our thoughts on the metaverse. And if we have a realistic perspective on what it will look like in the near future. If I had a Bitcoin for every time someone brought up the metaverse, <laughs> <laughs> I'd be filthy rich. Um, yeah, I, we but, had- But 30% less than it was a week ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but Eva Press from Meta, she's the vice president of Meta, and she was on the podcast just a couple weeks ago. She had- a lot of clarity, I thought, to add to the topic. She pointed out two main things. So for those of you listening, she said, the main reason it's hard to wrap your head around the metaverse right now is number one, it's not just one thing. It's a lot of different things. And number two, it's because it's so early. So if we dive a little bit more into number one, she pointed out many people take that mental leap. You hear metaverse, you think about virtual reality, the Oculus Rift, you're putting on a headset and you're living in, you know, a fake (laughs) reality. But she was like, you can think of the metaverse as encompassing quote, everything from 2D video calls to augmented reality to entirely immersive 3D virtual reality worlds that are all stitched together to form this next iteration of the internet. So the internet as we know it is changing, which brings me to her second point. Because it's the early days, she asked us to think back to the World Wide Web, the early to mid-90s, even mid-2000s, where when smartphones were just becoming um, huge and everyone was really excited about the technology, but not everyone had directly interacted with the technology or had that experience. Um, a lot of it was the early adopters creating all this hype and She was like, the meta team believes that, quote, the metaverse is fundamentally going to change the way people interact with each other, the way they interact with brands, the way they interact with both physical and digital worlds. And for meta, they believe it's the next evolution in social technology. It's the next big computing platform. So I took all that in. I think that the one thing, the latter point she made is super important because it's so early there's going to be so many players in that space. And she pointed out Meta's working with across the industry to build devices and platforms and marketing strategies to empower and grow the space. So there's going to be so many players out there. Some will fail, um, some will succeed. If you think back to even April, 2020, Paul brought this up actually the other week and the stats for the Travis Scott episode that he did in the video game Fortnite by Epic Games. It was this live streamed virtual mega concert. He grossed 20 million in merchandise sales for that concert, which is huge. Because if you think about that number, 20 million, the highest amount of sales from his in-person live concert, the one that broke records was 1.7 million. So that's a huge difference. Mm 1.7 million for this live concert that he put on versus 20 million for this virtual concert he put on inside of a video game. Um, and it's not clear how much of that merchandise was digital 
versus physical. So you, you think about how much was t-shirts and albums versus digital items like Travis Scott skins within the game. It's unclear, but I think the numbers speak for themselves because there's such a huge difference there. Um, and it accounted for just that one Fortnite concert accounted for almost 40% of his tour revenue wow. for Astro World. Yeah. So, and that's just one application. When we think about this, future concerts are increasingly going to be held in the metaverse. Fortnite, as an example, is just one venue. There's going to be tons. And digital performance drove not only physical, but digital sales. So this applies to a lot of retail. And at one point in time, we couldn't even imagine shopping online, let alone shopping for groceries online. So Mm -hmm. now it's second nature. That will be the metaverse in 10 or so years from now. You know, one of our tri members, Michael Decor, his company, so they're working on creating a metaverse mall, which is a hundred floor mall space that I, I, last time we spoke, he said that was launching sometime in the fall. So shoppers will be able to go in and visit, you know, hundreds of stores in this mall and brands will be able to take out a virtual retail space. Um, so that's coming soon. I thought that was super cool. And then moving on to our last question, this one is from Mark Babin. He is the senior digital marketing manager at Anyline. And he wants to know which quote or answer given during an interview has had the most impact on your work in the retail industry. Julia, I will pass this one to you. Thanks, Gabriella. I'll say for those of you listening, I don't know that this necessarily had the most impact on our work, but it definitely had the most impact on how I view the retail industry. And it seems silly because it, it seems so obvious, but I was interviewing the vice president of brand technology for Mac Cosmetics, Chris Silver, um, came from episode 96. And I believe he's moved companies since, but I remember asking him, you know, you work for this huge company, why retail? What drew you into this industry? And he said, quote, retail creates a natural connection with people. It's one of those industries where when you say what you do, when you say who you work for, people have an immediate nostalgic connection with your brand, with your store, with some experience. And there's nothing like that kind of connection anywhere else. And in that moment, I realized that's what makes retail so special there's everyone can connect with it. And it's always about the people and the experience more so than any other industry, which is why it's, it's so fun to talk about. Yeah. A recent interview that Julia had with Marnie Shapiro Afterpay's VP of Glover advertising and affiliate partnerships um, was a great episode. It really resonated with me. I also have a background in advertising. I've been fascinated by the storytelling part of it. And she said, you know, quote, getting humans to feel something and to make action is very important. So it's not just about creating the ad spots, but also about implementing solutions like Afterpay has done through their app. It it works as a media platform. It captures the attention of consumers in the native environment. They're already shopping for these brands and they see um, related ads for it or offers. And of course, they're going to engage with it it seamlessly fits into their customer experience. And then also touching on Gen Z, today's consumer buying power is continuing to shift towards them. So if you're not paying attention to the way they're paying for things, the way they're operating in the consumer world, then you're losing focus of the direction we're all going toward. 
Yeah, I think those were both uh, great quotes and example that that you both shared and, um, you know, vastly different different companies, but I think they both drove home that at the heart of our industry, it's humans, right? So forging that human connection, um, which is a theme that I think we've kind of encountered um, all throughout the last four years. And so now I would like to transition to the final segment of the episode, which is a who said it game. So I'm going to read off a few quotes from guests past and see if you guys can identify who said them. So I hope you're ready. All right. I'm buckled in. Put your thinking caps on. I have Google in front of me. I'm set to go. Oh, no. (laughs) No cheating. All right. The first one. I've seen Target at work with the drive up and pick up. And I get that for a busy grocery shopper and the mom with four kids. But let's face it. It's a niche of a niche of a niche of a niche. There's not that many people driving up to have stuff delivered to their trunk. Paula Rosenblum? That was my exact thought. <laughs> Paul, any guesses? I not, I, I'm not going to venture a, a guess <laughs> on, on that because evidently that view was wrong. <laughs> I'm assuming it was pre-pandemic. Right? Yeah, definitely yeah. pre-pandemic. <laughs> so that was actually Bob Fibbs. And that was in December of 2019. So right before the pandemic hit. So definitely just goes to show you how much things shifted um, so quickly. Paula, don't hate me for (laughs) guessing you. I just, I knew it was someone who was willing to take a stand and and say something a little more controversial. So that's why she came to mind. But Bob is also one of those people. So I should have known it was Bob. (laughs) All right. And next we have. To be a human brand, it's okay to have flaws, but people want brands that have personalities and that stand for something. It's better even if it alienates some consumers because then essentially all you are is a product. Will consumers pay more for your logo? The only way to justify that is to really add intrinsic value above and beyond just the product. Mm, Carol Speakerman. Natalie, Paul, any guesses? Either either uh, an influencer or a retailer. I'm it could be a retailer. I was I was thinking of like uh, maybe John Bolin at Starbucks or. It's a good uh, guess. Somebody you know, someone who really gets brand. From Gap. Um, Dan Goldman. Dan Goldman. Dan Goldman. You guys are right. So that was Dan Goldman, who at the time was the global head of strategy at the North Face when he said that, um, but he has since moved on to The Gap where he works as the brand's head of strategy. And last but not least, our last question of this round, Amazon's been able to grow its business very rapidly without running into having to take Walmart head on in physical retail. And likewise, I think physical retail is still by far the dominant way people buy products today and has not had to overly worry about what's happening in the online world. Any guesses to who might have said that one? I wonder if that's the episode where we did kind of that battle of mm-hmm. uh, that's what I was thinking. Like Walmart Tony's and Amazon. And... Was it Tony? Yeah, it could have been Tony. Um, Julia? Ricardo Belmar? So that was actually Paul Lewis. 
Charming Gary. <laughs> well, I knew it was so brilliant. I just couldn't couldn't place it. <laughs> it really resonates with Paul. <laughs> yes, but you are right. That was during the 2019 panel discussion. The battle of Walmart versus Amazon. Um, I thought I would I would throw a curveball at you. That was a <laughs> Great pick. Yeah, no, that was that was fun, Gabriella. Absolutely. Well, for all of you listening, I wanted to, again, thank you for being a fan of the show, for coming on the show, getting involved. And Rethink Retail in a lot of ways, I say, was my my first baby. Um, <laughs> growing the brand with this team, amazing team from the ground up has been nothing short of amazing. Uh, and I am taking a break with this 200th episode from hosting because I'm having a, a human baby <laughs> coming in <laughs> just a few months in this summer, 2022. So I am going to be away for a while as I embark on this new chapter of life with my husband and uh, partner. And then we will resume probably in the winter time, maybe sooner. We'll see. Um, and until then, thank you again for everything that, um, everything you've done, Gabriella, Paul, Natalie, to, to make this uh, transition so easy and all of the guest hosts that we have lined up for months to come. Thank you for being part of the show. Well, I would just add, um, I would like everyone in the audience to um, write in to wish Julia well, but also to encourage her to do a live podcast from the delivery room. I think it would be a hit. Uh, so we just, we'll just see if the audience agrees and would like you to do that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll post a poll on LinkedIn and, and see how the audience feels. Um, and I will say, if you are interested in guest hosting the podcast while Julia is away. You can reach out to me directly at Gabriella, that's Gabriella two L's at rethink.industries. Thank you for listening to the Rethink Retail podcast. That's this week's Retail Rundown. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show, apply at rethink.industries slash podcast guest. That's rethink.industries slash podcast guest. Follow us on Twitter at rethink underscore retail and show some love by subscribing, reviewing on iTunes podcast app. Until next time. <laughs>